Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. I don't know what you do to make these noises that you can't hear them, but it's pretty fun every week. I kind of wonder if he's got one of those like boards and he's just hitting buttons to fuck with us. (laughs) Being like, what? I don't know what it was. It's just a honking noise in the background. And now a clown walked by and squeezed his nose. It's, it's the Sunday morning show with Weenie in the butt. I don't want to listen to that show. Uh, does it say it's recording on your guys' end? Yes. Ryan is recording the call, yes. All right, good. Is the little thing that says it at the top is gone and my cat just walked across my keyboard. So I don't know what the fuck. But then the button says stop recording. So I don't know what to believe. It's all very complicated. I can't imagine Microsoft would make something that doesn't work properly. What? I'm still trying to figure out why... Skype is the only Microsoft product where the X doesn't make it turn off. Like it just minimizes it. And you're like, but that's not what the X is for. <laughs> it's supposed to shut it down. It's supposed to be done completely. I've been using Microsoft products for years. They all work the same way, except this one. Anyways. Yeah. So what did you determine from your article reading, Doug? Uh, I gave up on it. I determined that the internet's bullshit and that people will make up anything to try and troll. I'm almost fascinated by it. Oh. For the ill-informed, the internet just tried to explain to me that everyone is upset because Jamie Lee Curtis won the Oscar because they wanted a girl from Wakanda Forever to win it. Well, and I, I do believe another girl was up for the same movie, correct? I don't know. Yeah. The article I read only said people are mad about. Is it Angela Bassett that was up from Wakanda Forever? Yeah. But yeah. if yeah, I if I, I remember correctly, there was an Asian actress in the same movie as Jamie Lee Curtis that was up for that movie. And she actually had a gigantic part. And I guess Jamie Lee Curtis isn't in the movie very much. I don't know. No, she's not one of the main characters. She does do a good performance, though. Well, she did win yeah. for Best Supporting Actress, so you would think she's in a supporting role. Yeah. But right. I haven't seen the movie, so I can't comment, but I can tell you that the internet is not angry about Jamie Lee Curtis winning. The internet is very, very happy about it. I mean, so I think the truth about the Oscars is is that no one gives a fuck. Nobody gives a fuck well, about I know. I the Oscars. The Oscars are fucking stupid. <laughs> yeah, I agree. 
I think it's funny that two people from Encino Man won acting awards last night or whatever night it was. I don't even know. Sunday. Sunday. Okay. I, I think it's funny that two people from Encino Man won, and I'm enjoying those memes. Yeah. I also I, saw. I follow Jamie Lee Curtis on social media, so I know she won. That's all I know. I don't even know. I saw like, about a picture. thousand, a thousand articles talking about the fact that Jimmy Kimmel made a dig at Pauly Shore Did because he? of the Encino Man thing. Okay. And, and, and that's all everyone's talking. And it's like, who cares? He made well, it, he made an off comment joke about Polly Shore. Nobody gives a fuck. Well, it wasn't even that off comment because apparently Polly Shore has responded and he thought it was hilarious. So, oh. yeah. Well, Polly Shore is a stand up comedian. So perhaps he likes it when people make jokes. Yeah, yeah exactly. And the joke wasn't like Pauly Shore fucking sucks. It was basically, you know, two people from Encino Man are winning awards and that's really good for them and kind of crappy for Pauly Shore. <laughs> I mean, that was the whole joke. Yeah. People are dumb. It's, people feel not, they have to they have to defend Pauly Shore. They should probably reevaluate they kind of what they're they doing don't. with their life. Again, it's now nobody's defending anything or offended by anything. It's people sitting in troll farms who make a living by trying to write articles pretending they're upset. That's all it is. It's 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 a really sad state of affairs. I mean, now I mean, it's a common thing for people to write articles and pretend they're news that are about a post on Reddit. Hmm. Where they're like, yeah you know, woman quits job, blah, 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 blah. And it's just a fucking Reddit post. It's like, it's, it's probably just, not even true. Like, it might be true. It might not be true. Either way, the per it, the person is no one. It's not newsworthy. <laughs> it's a, yeah. The internet's bullshit. But whatever. Apparently one of the kids from Monster Squad got mad at something I wrote. That's fun. Uh, which one? <laughs> Sort of the one, the the one that had the older sister. Okay. Did you make amends? No, because he didn't I mean, get along me. Uh, for the record, I'm on his side. Like, it's, it's so we're clear. <laughs> you mean it's one of the guests from the cast Monster, Monster Squad, Squad, Brian? Go fucking apologize to that kid. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. If but you unless, see him, unless he it was unless he was angry at you for your article not being racist enough. <laughs> that he's probably right it's uh, Monster Squad he could have been mad at the article not being homophobic enough because that film has some issues it's true now he apparently has fallen on really hard times I think he had a severe drug problem maybe he still does and I was writing a video script about what happened to all the kids from Monster Squad I didn't say any of that shit but I just said that he Got out of acting, and then uh, I think his dad got sick, and he was taking care of him. And so he hasn't really got back into it. But then I think my editor added something oh. to it, just about his behavior in this specific video that you can find online. Um, about how he's acting during this, like, interview thing that happened, like, during COVID. What? Joe Blow added some clickbaity bullshit to one of their articles? No, no. Yeah, so you, it's, not, it's not clickbaity because the dude is acting awfully weird and does seem like he's probably strung out on something. That's that's still clickbaity, Brian, even if it's true. No, because it's not even in the headline. You don't even know it's in there unless you watch the video. Uh, well, so I, I don't think it's fair to call something clickbaity if it's an accurate portrayal of the situation. I mean, 
that's what headlines are, right? Is they give you an idea of what you're going to see and then you see it. Magnus Carlsen changes the game in chess yeah. by winning a chess match. Yes. But, but yeah, see, that would be clickbait, but Magnus Carlsen winning a chess match is not clickbait. You see the difference? Why are we on this topic? I don't know. And the fact that we're learning that oh, Brian isn't controversial enough for the internet, so his editor <laughs> has to add controversy in. <laughs> do you do that to us on this show, Brian? Do you like edit in controversy? Oh, You're I like, sure do. It's just Noah's voice in the I've, background saying the N-word as we talk about movies. <laughs> he's just deep faking me saying racist stuff. That's messed we've, up. We've done 251 episodes now of this show. And I've taken uh, select words and I'm able to string them together as like a robo Noah or a robo Doug, and I can make you guys say anything I want. That ex- that explains some of the death threats I've been getting. <laughs> no, no, those were from Doug. So no, yeah, well, that also makes sense. <laughs> uh, All right. Um. So instead of trolls, would you say the online people are undead idiots? Boo. (laughs) (laughs) Boo. Bad segue. Boo. (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't very Unacceptable. The (laughs) Spirig brothers deserve better, Brian. Uh... Well, as far as I know, the Spirit Brothers haven't fallen on hard times and don't have a drug problem. So I bet they're okay and they're still making movies. Matter of fact, we should talk about two of their movies. Slightly improved segue, but now it's after the fact, so it still kind of sucks. Yeah, well. Um, All right, well, uh, Doug, do you want to tell us about Undead? I mean, Undead, it's a horror comedy from New Zealand. Uh, I don't know, stuff shoots out of the sky, starts turning people into zombies. A haphazard group of individuals end up locked up together and have to try to escape. Wackiness ensues. Is that fair? It's from 2003. So sure. it, it gives you an idea of the vibe you left of it. out the aliens. Yeah, you did leave out aliens. Well, I'm, that was the shit for shooting from the sky. I've meant to I guess. say aliens. Um, and I feel like it tries to get super serious towards the end. It totally it goes from serious to flat out wacky a few times throughout the movie. It's yeah. like, I think what they were trying to do in this movie is they were trying to merge like old school, like New Zealand, like Peter Jackson stuff with what was going on in like horror comedy in 2003, which is more of like your Edgar Wright, Shaun of the Dead type stuff. And they're, so they're trying to do that sort of like deadpan, serious, but everything is ridiculous and funny. And then add in the over the top gore and shit from like the old Peter Jackson movies. And it's a weird combination. And I think it, it comes across as confusing because with some of the humor being so big and over the top, other humor just ends up coming across as though it's not a joke and therefore feeling very serious. Yeah. I'm, I'm upset with this film because it broke my streak. Uh, because I'm a firm believer that every B movie that comes out of Australia or New Zealand is going to be amazing. And this movie sucked. 
this this movie was nothing but like all the things I hate in cheap horror and just all of that as much about, as possible. Like just shit CGI and just a shit soundtrack that sounds like somebody fucking made it on a keyboard and they just didn't bother to mix it. I don't know the CGI is that bad for 2003. It's real bad. There are moments that are, are, are done poorly, I agree, but there's other times where it's kind of okay. And it has some stuff. See, it does have some fun stuff. There's that scene where they like push the two zombies against the wall and the knives fall from the shelf and land square in their heads, which is fun. There's that one zombie that has a shovel stuck in his head and he's walking around and it's bumping into shit on the ceiling. That's some interesting, fun moments in the movie. Yeah. Like for me, if, they, if they'd leaned into that stuff, I think I'd probably have enjoyed the film a lot more. Problem is it was taking itself way too seriously and then wacky shit would happen and you're like, okay, but I'm not in the mood for wacky shit because I've been trying to take these characters seriously as they argued about who won the bikini contest or whatever the fuck that those two girls are mad at each other about for the whole movie. <laughs> well, in the fact that they're like, yeah, I'm an edgy cop and yeah, I was abducted by aliens and I'm the guy from Independence Day that's out for revenge against the aliens. Now let's walk across the room. Oh, wait, soundtrack. Yes, I agree. The soundtrack was, again, the soundtrack was like... Abysmal. It was cartoonish music to the point of like, like, what is going on here? And again, that I think that was them trying to mimic some of that old, like, really wacky horror comedy from the early 80s. Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of this one either. I feel like it failed more than it succeeded. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I don't think I'm as angry with it as Noah is, but I don't. Oh, well, nobody's <laughs> as angry with it as Noah is. Yeah, I, I, I don't I'm an angry boy. I don't necessarily think that I would recommend this movie to anyone, though. Like, is it good? No. Is it atrocious? I would say no. Yeah, I'd put it in the atrocious pile. Like if if you only have access to Tubi and it's on there for free and you've been through everything else. There's a lot worse shit that you could watch. I mean, if you're watching Tubi and you've literally been through all of Tubi, <laughs> your problems do not include watching bad movies. Well, you need to seek medical attention. <laughs> but like, let's assume that when I say you're, um, you've seen everything else that you're not including, you know, all of the, the God movies and the other weird shit that comes in those lower categories, just kind of that top <laughs> half every, of like, every season of Alf. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, like the, the horror, the thriller, the cult classic sections. If you've seen those movies, maybe, you know, there, there is a lot on there. If you, if you dive deep. Yeah. See, I, I think my biggest thing with this movie, all the things that are bad in this movie are very bad. And all of the things that are not bad in this movie are mediocre at best, which is not does not make for a good average. I don't think that's unfair. Like it's. 
I, like I can hear us all struggling for something to say. Like, what was your favorite scene from the movie? It's like, I don't know if I have one. Like, it's, <laughs> it's probably the zombie with the shovel in his yeah, head. Yeah, sho- shovelhead zombie was pretty much the the high point of the whole movie, but, yeah. and that's thirty seconds. Yeah, but it needed. It should have just been all that. If it had just been all that, I could have forgiven the shitty soundtrack and stuff. But it's when that soundtrack continues, and they are still trying to behave seriously and again i think what they're trying to do is mimic that Shaun of the dead like there's even a moment where they're like uh mimicking an action scene and i think they're trying to do it in that way of like look at how ridiculous we're being by doing the same thing they do in real action movies but it comes across as them trying to be serious because of how they do it and i just doesn't work for me i just dropped out did you Do you still hear Doug talking? No, no. I was finished my point and we were waiting for people to respond. That's all. I just thought there was three hosts on the podcast this week. That's all. Mid-sentence. Yeah. Oh. Completed on my end, but I don't know. I don't know. This movie, I feel... I mean, it's obvious that the budget was really low. um, But I feel like a lot of it was just... All right, let's huddle all these people in this room that we have. All right, now I need all of you to walk to this side of the room, say a bunch of shit. All right, we're done here. Why don't you walk back to the other side of the room? I just feel like there was a lot of that throughout the movie. So yeah, it, anybody look into like the budget or anything? No. I decided this movie was not worth my time checking. You didn't like you don't have any fun facts for us here, right? Was it their well, first film? I, Do we know that? Like, it is their it is their first film. I did read okay. the uh, trivia while the movie was going on, but I've forgotten all of it. So you're just, just trying to avoid watching the movie? Pretty much. The budget is estimated to be one million dollars. Yeah, okay. They should have been able to do more. <laughs> The worldwide gross, $187,847. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Wonder that it took six years for them to get another movie. Yeah. I called up some of the, like, big goofs on, like, IMDb, and it's like, oh, the guy shot his gun too many times. And now I'm wondering if that was supposed to be a joke. Like he has a six shooter gun, but he shoots it a lot more than six times. Are they making fun of action movies or are they, I think that's supposed to be their hot fuzz moment. Maybe. Uh, let's see. The film was entirely funded by the directors and their family and friends. Ooh, oh, all right. that's, that, people. that ruined some Christmases. Uh, the directors rendered most of the special effects on their home computers. Which is why it took I, nine, nine months for post-production. I highly doubt they took nine months. Home computer, I believe. <laughs> you don't believe that it took nine months? No. I mean, they, they probably had did, jobs. They, they clearly didn't put that kind of work into this. Uh, most scenes were shot in only one or two takes due to the budget. Also I believe, believe that. that. And apparently there was two months of rehearsals before they even started filming. Don't believe that. 
apparently the original screenplay did not have any swearing in it. Most of the swearing in the film oh. was ad-libbed by the actors. Oh, I that I have trouble believing you're telling me an Australian script had no swearing in it. <laughs> uh, really, they used over 600 liters of fake blood. That makes sense. I I actually find that hard to believe too, seeing how almost every drop of blood I saw on screen was CGI. All right, that's not a fair criticism. There was plenty of fake blood on screen. Uh, and at the time of its screening at the 2003 Brisbane International Film Festival, it was the fastest sellout in the festival's history. So, there you go. None of those facts are remotely interesting. I'm sorry nope. I insisted that we use facts. <laughs> nope, should have known better. <laughs> what can I say? That one's on me. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. It's just missing so much. And then, like I said, it keeps the tone of it keeps jumping back and forth. That you just don't even know what to. Yeah, like, hey, I don't I don't know what's happening here. Am I supposed to be like intrigued by what's happening? Am I supposed to be laughing? I don't know. I feel like I saw this in 2003 and I liked it a lot more back then. But I like when I was thinking about what I liked about it back then, I'm like, I don't remember anything about it. So maybe it's just like with time, I've got it mixed up with other movies that came out in the same same time period or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. This was a bummer of a movie. Yeah, I, I think sometimes like aspiring filmmakers don't put too much on themselves. Like don't try to accomplish two different tones in the same movie and stuff. Just, it's your first movie. Maybe just you know, go for the full out gore comedy because that's what you can do cheaply, and it allows for bad acting and things like that. So I'm trying to remember. So one of the things is like, is it there's meteors that drop to Earth? The beginning. And, so, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I take it back. So Shovelhead and that old lady getting hit by the meteor at the beginning. Oh, right at the beginning. <laughs> yes. So I remember getting my hopes up when that happened. She's like just sitting there being an old lady, and then it goes right through her head. Just fun. Uh. And then, uh, what's it like? So it starts raining, and the rain is like, I don't know, acid rain know it, type yeah, stuff. Yeah, I don't know if it's like burning people, but it, it's irritating people's skin. But then, like, at the end, isn't it like, oh, we've been trying to avoid this the whole time. If we just give in, the aliens shoot us up into the sky, and I don't understand, like, yeah, is that, good? that was is that yeah, good if you get know. pulled up into the sky i think that's i was a bit confused by that yeah at the end it was like the the rain was curing the zombie plague disease and then they were rapturing everyone to keep them from getting reinfected okay yeah. i mean i guess but like it's like so look we can protect you make you not a zombie by pulling you into outer space and they get to live on an alien spaceship. I don't know if that's really a win. I think that's maybe where the confusion comes in. Yeah. Do they even go live on a spaceship? 
Yeah. I don't know. Were they, okay. They I can't just, they honest, just at the end, up in the air until everyone attention. was cured. And then Is that they the idea? Yeah. yeah, and then they, yeah, that's what I thought. And they came back to Earth, and then every everybody was fine. Maybe I should have been paying more attention to this movie, but except, except for the one guy who actually managed to escape, which actually fucked everybody, because then he just started the infection all over again. Yeah, I, I don't. I think I only watched this movie a couple of days ago, and I'm still like, I don't. I'm taking what yeah. you guys say at your word, but I'm like, maybe that happened. <laughs> Which is part of the problem with this movie is like, yeah, it definitely, even when you're watching it, it's not a, uh, not really enough to hold your attention because it's so just like, ugh, all right, whatever. Uh, but then like after the movie's over, you still don't even like nothing stays in your brain. It just immediately leaks yeah. out. Yeah. That's how I would describe it as well. Um, yeah, I don't know. Does anybody else have a, uh, no, we've like thoughts? dragged this conversation on and it's still only been like four <laughs> minutes, but we're like, none of us have anything to say about this movie. No, it's definitely a first movie. I will say yeah. I am impressed with the level of filmmaking jump from this movie to the next movie, considering this movie is their first movie and the next movie is their second movie. I do you feel like they, right? Yeah. I do feel like they uh, they improved significantly between movies, but yeah. well, and yeah, to some extent, that comes with budget and cast. Sure, but, that does. But help. also, yeah. there's still yeah, the storytelling is significantly better in the next film, and just some of the ideas are much better, and tonally it is much more consistent. So, but we'll get into all that, I guess, when we jump yeah. to the next film. Yeah, because, I mean, these guys have actually made some decent movies with some decent budgets. Just this was their first one, and it unfortunately is not good. Yeah. But then six years later, they went to Daybreakers, and then they did uh, Predestination, which I don't know if anybody has seen that one. I have not, but I remember it being on my list at one point. Yeah, I've seen it before. It's definitely one of those weird time travel sort of situations where you're scratching your head by the end and you're like, I think I liked it if I understood it correctly. Uh, and then they jumped and did Jigsaw, the Saw sequel. And then the next year after that, they did the Winchester movie with Helen Mirren in it. So, I mean, they've gotten some big movies and, you know, like I said, they vastly improved. Um, this movie was just... Kind of oof. Um, well, let's jump into the second movie. Noah, do you want to give us the rundown on Daybreakers? Yeah. Daybreakers is like a, uh, a futuristic uh, dystopian cyberpunk movie, only instead of cyberpunk vampires. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, the whole world is basically now infected. There's very few humans. Uh, main character is Ethan Hawke, who's uh, trying to find a blood substitute um, to keep everybody going. Because as it turns out, if a vampire starts to starve to death from not getting any human blood, they transform into horrible, insane bat vampire things, which is pretty dope. 
Uh, he comes in contact with a group of human resistance, as these movies are one to do, <laughs> including Elvis, played by Willem Dafoe, who is a ex-vampire who accidentally cured himself by getting into an angry car accident, which is pretty funny. Uh, yeah, and then they discover a cure and go back and viva la revolution. Uh, all right. Was this the first time watch for anybody? No, I me, saw yeah. when it came out. Yeah, this was definitely a first time watch for me. Uh, well, what did you think of it, Doug? Considering how uh, how we just talked about the last movie, how do you feel about their filmmaking techniques jumping well, from that it, movie to this movie? Yeah, it, like we said, it's a huge jump forward. Um, yeah. I think tonally, they kind of nail it. They they create this sort of weird horror thriller vibe that is consistent throughout the movie, which I liked. Um, I, I really liked the world building at the beginning. They did a good job of setting up this like futuristic vampire society. I like some of the ideas of like the cars that had like daytime driving mode where the windows all went dark and had cameras set up and stuff. That was fun. I like the, uh, I love the idea of, that sort of weird world of like, well, we need human blood to live, but now we're killing off all the humans. And what are we going to do? This sort of weird uh, kind of cast, uh, capitalist dystopia that they set up where it's like, well, yeah, we're going to keep harvesting all the human blood to sell it, to make money. But when we if we raise the price too much, we create this whole weird monster problem of like these vampires that then feed on other vampires and it creates this weird I don't know, just this weird discussion of like what happens when we end up with a bunch of people who can't afford to live in our society. Do we just execute them? Because that's the decision in this movie. And I, it's an interest. It's an interesting topic of discussion, I think. Um, so a lot of that stuff was really interesting in the in the world building. And then I liked a lot of the performances as well. I thought Sam Neill was really good. Which I completely you- forgot Sam Neill was in this movie and I was yeah. so excited. Here's a, here's the random one. Do you guys feel like Willem Dafoe was in a different fucking movie? Yes, I was going to bring that up. Because why is <laughs> everyone's putting in this very serious performance except for Willem Dafoe, who's just hamming it the fuck up? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. He's doing this accent and he's trying to be like this like cool guy. And it's like nobody else is being a cool guy, man. It's just relax. Which, uh, sidebar, I don't know if you guys have heard about this, but there's a movie coming out called Inside with Willem Dafoe. Mm-hmm. Not Inside with Willem Dafoe, just Inside, but Willem Dafoe yes. is in it. And he plays like an art thief who like breaks into someone's pet house to steal something and like the pet house goes on lockdown and traps him inside. Yep. So then he has to like figure out a way to get out and survive with like, because I think they start raising the temperature or whatever. Yeah, I think it, it sounds I'm not sure what they're going to. It sounds, sounds intriguing. Sounds fascinating. I'm definitely interested in giving it a watch. I didn't yeah. even hear about it until I was doing an article on the upcoming releases for the year. And I was like, what is this? Oh, this sounds fun. Yeah, I've seen trailers. It's good. So anyways. Yeah, Willem Dafoe is just kind of being Willem Dafoe. It's yeah, it's, it's just, a little weird. It's just so weird. His performance is so, but it's jarring. It's not his. This film. It's, it's not his fault though, because if you look at everything about the character, is that way. Like it's 
the way they dress him, like he's dressed like a 50s greaser kid for some reason in the middle of this like vampire future dystopia. I'm like, I don't understand why he's the only one that's dressed kind of funny. It's really weird it, that way. Is this a throwback to his Streets of Fire uh, character? Maybe. His first acting roles? Yeah, I was thinking they were they were playing it up like as if he was st- almost like he was still acting the way he was when he became a vampire, but he became a vampire in like was it like 2009? So it's not like it, why was he still acting that way in 2009? It's the part I didn't understand. Um, but yeah, a lot of it really worked. Um, I don't know if I got particularly intrigued with the storyline as much as the world world building. I don't know how yeah. you guys felt about that. Like, I yeah, like again, the, I, I like the idea of how they discovered the cure for vampirism and I liked watching them do the testing and stuff, but I don't think I really cared if they were successful in curing vampirism. Well, the, the, the two big, I, I, I remember the first time I saw this, I kind of was underwhelmed with it. And whenever I was rewatching it this time, I was like, man, why was I so underwhelmed with this? Cause this movie is so good. You know, Ethan Hawke's putting in this good performance and Sam Neill's putting in the good performance and all the vampire stuff's good. And then it gets to the ending and I was like, oh yeah, the ending just kind of shits the bed. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Did you guys feel like there was maybe too many little storylines they were trying to tie up at the end? Because you had like Ethan Hawke and then you had his relationship with his brother. And then you had his relationship with his co-worker who I felt like was kind of superfluous to the film. And then you had the stuff with the Sam Neill character and his relationship with his daughter and how that all had to play out. And at the end, they're like, how do we tie all this together? And they were having a lot of trouble doing it. Yeah, I wish. So the the sort of uh, chain reaction of violence that happens at the end with the uh, the brother sacrificing himself and then those people are cured, which then causes them to be human, which draws in even more vampires, which kill them, which <laughs> they become yeah. human and then so on and so forth. That ending is such a cool idea of there just being this cascading tidal wave of violence across the city. Yeah that would kind of fix a bunch of problems at the same time, because while a ton of people would die, that would also lower the population enough to give them the chance to rebuild without everyone starving to death. Since uh, food production wasn't really happening since everyone was a vampire. Yeah, no, like I I agree. That would have been the better ending. Instead they end it with like the final death. Isn't it the friend if I'm remembering correctly? Yeah. The, yeah. The other the scientist kills worker. everybody rendering the brother's sacrifice moot, which kind of yeah. is a shitty plot point. Plus he sends Sam Neil down with the, the cured blood and it, it doesn't even address that in which that same sort of tidal wave of violence would have happened on that side of the building too. Yeah. So, like, I agree with you. I, I'd like to see the ending be all of these vampires feeding, and maybe we get, I don't know how you would display it on film, but at some point you would get to this point where there's now enough humans that turn from the last killing spree that they can actually fight off the next round of vampires, if that makes sense. I, I would assume they would do it through the news presentations that we kept seeing. I, yeah. don't, I don't know if you guys noticed, because so uh, because I had seen it before, I was paying a little closer attention to some stuff. God damn it, the news articles in the background are so fucking funny. Uh, Examples? So they were talking about the fact that in the last, whatever it is, the last 
three years since the vampire outbreak started, the number one cause of forest fires is now spontaneous combustion during (laughs) due to vampires being exposed to light. No, but they even they even said it's a it's a animals that have been turned and just returned back to the forest. (laughs) Oh yeah, and it's like yeah, that's even better. I like that. I, I can't remember them all, but there's several instances of that where the news in the background, they're describing something and you're like, Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> because it's basically the same dumb shit news that like we see on TV every night just yeah. with vampires, which is so funny. Well, I liked the whole like the entire concept of the vampire society where they had like the big like like uh, street lights set up because everybody's only outside at night. And like the Willem Dafoe character talking about when he was a vampire, like his favorite thing to do was go for like long drives during the day. Cause there was no traffic and there was no cops out and shit. And you're like, that's I, I liked that. All that stuff of like setting it up. Like this is what would happen if vampires took over the world, you know, they're all just stopping and getting blood at like the little like stand while they're waiting for the train to get to work in the morning or the night or whatever you call it. It's like a lot of that stuff was fun. Yeah, just it's the same thing. Same rat race, same bullshit. Just, hey, we're all vampires. And the same eventually capitalism eating itself problem that exists, right? Which we're like this movie came out 2009, I think. But it's like we're now seeing what had just started then we're seeing that in full effect now COVID kind of sped it all up but there's now this like homelessness problem because congratulations you drove up the price of housing to put more money in millionaires pockets and now there's a bunch of people with nowhere to live and what do you do with those people you know and that's this movie is addressing those issues through vampirism in in its own unique way and I enjoyed that just there's their whole problem accelerated a lot faster than our regular societies, but it's the same basic issues, which I liked. And I liked the whole like subplot of like Ethan Hawke thinks if he finds a cure, then they can save humans and, and coexist with them. And that was never really the plan. They were like, you find a cure that'll keep us going, but we have to appeal to all markets. So we're still going to have the human blood. <laughs> and it's like, Oh God. Yeah, I think it, I think it's a really good job. Like you said, the it's weird they're kind of talking about shit that is definitely a problem now. Yeah, um, well, I guess it would have been like I during mean, the oil financial crisis when they were making the film, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so all of that would have played into it too. Yeah, yeah. But it's all a mess. Um. But it's like a movie set in the future about a crisis that's an analog of today's society. <laughs> by the way, a crisis brought on by one single bat causing trouble, apparently. That there's, that's one of the news articles that happens in the background, and you're like, oh, well, <laughs> look at that. That's very weird. I mean, the, the only way, the only way they could have made that more real is if they had added a random politician being like, it's because somebody in Taiwan fucked that bat. (laughs) We do get the, like the human Senator there who thinks he can work with the vampire. Um, He kind of thinks he's he's going to work with the vampire politicians. Yeah. The Senator is not a human. Yeah. the, The Senator was a vampire. Oh, 
I didn't even realize that. Okay, never mind. My, my point's irrelevant then. <laughs> or no, or no is wrong, whichever one of those is true. Never mind. Um, yeah, I don't know. Then we should mention, like, a lot of the horror stuff is pretty well done, too. Um, like those beasts that the vampires turn into when they uh, don't get human blood for a while are pretty cool looking. And I, I love the like concept that they like they, they feed on other vampires. They will then turn faster, but then they lose their mental capacity and they start feeding on themselves, which then causes them to turn even faster. It's like, <laughs> and then you get that great moment where it's Sam Neill's daughter, which is like just one of the subplots is that his he's the head vampire, but his daughter refused to be turned. So she's still human. And when he finally gets her turn, she starts intentionally trying to turn herself into one of those things by feeding off her own blood right away. And that's a, it's a cool idea. And then B it's just these scenes of her, like gnawing on her own arm, drinking her own blood and then trying to force it into Sam Neill's mouth. (laughs) It's just gory as shit. It's great to watch. Yeah. There's that, there's that scene where they're testing the cure on that, uh, vampire air force guy basically he explodes <laughs> yep that's it's so yeah. random too <laughs> i love the fact the way they did it where he starts to like really react and they're like monitoring his temperature and stuff and then they're like as he gets too hot they like inject him with something else to bring his temperature back down so he won't explode and everyone's like wow and then poof <laughs> fucking place <laughs> just love the way it was done I pretty much want to watch everyone explode, right? So, I mean, who doesn't really? It's all that was good. I liked the, I really enjoyed the testing scene with Ethan Hawke where he was trying to cure himself and they had set up that thing where I don't even know if we've said it, but like the cure was to light yourself on fire using sunlight for a brief period and then put yourself out and you'd stop being a vampire. And, uh, <laughs> which is kind, so of, he's, kind of a weird way, but sure. It's weird, but whatever. It's it's the gimme of the movie, pretty much, right? Like sure. Yeah. In a world where yeah, there are ca- vampires, this can cure them. Well, I kind of like the idea of it's it's very literally trial by fire. You know what I mean? Yeah. You gotta like endure the the pain without dying. And then there's the whole you know the whole thing of uh, Elvis's car is a firebird doing yeah. the whole phoenix thing and rising from the ashes. Blah 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 blah. Heavy metal. Yeah. Little <laughs> every now and again they, they did mix in some stuff like that where i'm like it's fine like i know what you're saying it's fine i even noticed um ethan hawk's character i don't know i don't even know how to describe it but when he became human again and all of a sudden he's like now teamed up with the humans and he's hunting vampires his outfit goes from like a suit he manages to transform the same outfit into like a very traditional vampire hunter outfit where he's got the shirt untucked and it's like the white shirt with the black vest open over top of it and his hair is no longer slicked back so it's kind of hanging in a way that he looks like he could be playing Van Helsing in like a stage play it's like there, there's no way that's an accident and then after a couple of scenes of that he just tucks the shirt back in and goes back to looking normal I thought Ethan Hawke was really good in the scene where he tricks Sam Neill into biting him because after they figure out that if a vampire feeds on a human that is a recovered vampire, it'll cure that vampire. And he, and he, when he so he's like basically just doesn't tell Sam Neill that and waits for Sam Neill to bite him, like taunts him into it. And there's just something about the way 
um, Ethan Hawke's character is just sitting quietly in that chair, letting Sam Neill bite him. That is just like oh, the arrogance of it entertained me. <laughs> just kind of looking into the camera, like almost like, look at this fucking guy. I think he's killing me, but really I'm curing him. Clever, right? Super clever. Ethan Hawke. Yeah, it is interesting that he's in this movie. Usually he's not super into sort of weird genre stuff, but... Uh, I mean, I don't know exactly where his career was at in 2009, but I don't imagine he turns down a lot of starring roles. And also, I think maybe the messaging built into the movie could have been part of it. I mean, that's probably is what what grabbed him. Let's find out as we sit in silence until I figure this quandary out. No, no. What other scenes did you like? No. Uh, I, I was super into the scene where the, uh, man, I wish I could remember what they called them. What do they call the mutated vampires? It's the sub something. Sub dwellers or something. Sub Cause they lived underground. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the uh, the scene where the brother comes and they're having their family spat and then one of those things breaks into the house. Yeah, that was cool. I really liked that moment because we didn't know what they were at that point. We hadn't really been given that information. And as a first time watch, I didn't know what the hell. I'm like, what? There's another kind of vampire kind of thing. And yeah, I'm just it, to watch them fight like it. It licking the wall where the blood was and stuff was pretty yeah. good. Yeah, it's all well done horror stuff. I like the scene where they are basically they go underground and round those things up and just march them out into the sunlight to execute them. It's pretty cool too. Where it's just mm-hmm. like, like that's, I mean, that's their, uh, this movie's equivalent of just a city, just moving into a homeless camp and moving everyone out. But it's the sight of them watching, marching out all like in chains and then just being marched into the sun and they all just start exploding. And the look on some of the faces of the ones at the back that hadn't come out yet that have seen the other ones explode. It's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Ethan Hawke wasn't doing a lot of notable stuff around this time, I guess. I mean, he was in a ton of shit, but I mean, it's all. Seems like more indie type stuff. Which is 2009. This was only a $20 million movie, so. Actually wasn't uh, super big budget either. If I remember right, it still underperformed for some reason. Yeah, it made like 51 million at the box office, I want to say. Yeah, about 51, a little over 51. This is one of those ones. This would make a great like TV series. Yes, completely. I could see that. Yeah, you could really stretch this story out and have, have you know your underground humans on the one side and your vampire society on the other. Yeah, this would totally work. Yeah, it's like a series of some sort. Uh, three years after this, he would do Sinister. Yeah. So he probably he had a little bit of a horror run there. And right after that, he did uh, to- 
Noah, stop shaking so much. That's the dog. <laughs> Sorry, no. uh, and then he was in the Total Recall, Total Recall remake. Oh, yeah. Sinister. So, that was his rock bottom moment that he had yeah. to like some sort of weird movie rehab. <laughs> I was going to say that's lucky. He's lucky that didn't fucking end his career. Uh, well, then before midnight happened, 2013, and then the purge the same year. All right, all right. Boy, you don't need to just go so. through his whole thing. Nope. Uh, and then eventually he was in Moon Knight. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I like this movie. Yeah, me too. I think it's just um, like I say, I, I was way more into the world building than I was into the actual characters, um, which is kind of an issue. But there's enough of that cool world world building, enough of the cool violence and gore and stuff that keeps you interested the whole movie and you're actually even if you're not particularly rooting for one side in this fight you're at least engaged in the movie in general yeah and then of course Willem Dafoe is just doing his weird thing why is his name Elvis it doesn't make any sense so doesn't matter doesn't matter um the whole thing almost feels like Elvis might just be a character added in because they're like this movie feels little Australian and they're like, nah, look, this guy's name's Elvis. And they're like, oh, good point. It's an American movie. <laughs> You've turned us around. It's they just because if, if you took Willem Dafoe, like if you took that same, like imagine he was giving a really solid, serious performance of that same character. And then the directors were like, look, we really need you to American it up for the studio. You can see that leading to what he does in this film, right? like yeah i thought the film was good i think it has like a nice look to it it's got this weird sort of blue sort of sheen to it yeah which i thought it suited the kind of futuristic vibe and the fact that much of it takes place at night i liked the look of the vampires it was subtle enough but not non-existent like they didn't just try to play it off like oh they just look human but it was just like the eyes were a different color and they had little fangs that you could see. Yeah. I like when you saw that vampire teenagers still have to go to high school. I felt bad for them when I saw that. <laughs> like imagine high school forever. So aren't God. you the same age? Yeah, like for the rest of your life? Yeah, because there is that one vampire at the beginning of the movie that actually kills themselves because they're like, I can't do this forever. <laughs> and then that's, I think we're supposed to be of the impression that there are a lot of vampires like that one at the beginning and Ethan Hawke who aren't interested in just being the same age for the rest of their lives and going through the motions without any chance of death and stuff. Well, and it's great. It's this, uh, it's the shattering of kind of the, the mystique illusion of vampirism where everybody's like, Oh yeah, if I was a vampire, this and this and this and this and this. But the second you change that to, Oh, if everyone a vampire, it all just turns into the exact same miserable bullshit. It is. (laughs) It is. You just also drink blood. Yeah. The idea of a shit ton of vampires riding like a train, to downtown every day so they can go to their shitty vampire jobs is just really entertaining to me right for all of eternity yeah yeah like and it's like because i like we're all at an age now where we've been working for a long time but we have a long time left and it's like pretty difficult to deal with this stage of your life i find going to work can be a little bit of a struggle just knowing that it's not new or interesting anymore and it's nowhere near being done 
But imagine that on a scale of I'll be doing this job for the next thousands and thousands and thousands of years, hypothetically. (laughs) Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. All right, what did everybody watch? The answer is not much. Um, I watched the documentary, I think it's, I can't remember which streaming service it is on, but it's about it. Oh, yeah. Uh, in which that was fascinating. It was good seeing Tim Curry. And, hear, and hearing all the stories, it's basically just Tim Curry talking shit about how much he likes to fuck with people. <laughs> which I don't, somehow I've gone my life without knowing that that's apparently his casual attitude to everything is just, you know. I'm I'm a good actor and I can make people feel uncomfortable and I like that. <laughs> yeah, he's funny. <laughs> I suppose it's a little sad because you know several of the actors aren't alive anymore to participate. But yeah, it's always sad when you hear people just talk about how much they love John Ritter and how nice he was, and I'm like, ah, yeah. Why don't we have those people anymore? But we have some of the douchiest assholes that seem to live forever. Right. I did. I did like the fact that a couple of the things I'd always thought about with the that miniseries, they would just immediately bring it up after I would say something. Sure, I'd be because they were like, you know, they were getting kids that looked like the actors, and I was like, bullshit. Because the kid that plays like John Ritter as a kid doesn't look fucking anything like John Ritter. <laughs> And then their next line was like, except for this kid. <laughs> Shoving it in your face. And I was like, oh, okay. They noticed too. Oh. <laughs> Apparently they have a camera in our new house. Did you that know that? That was all funny. And, and then it's always forgetting stuff. I don't, I have seen that movie a, a million times. And I think I forget Seth Green's in it every fucking single time. Oh, really? Yeah. Although whenever they were talking about the fact that apparently originally it was Harvey Firestein that was going to play it, I was like, you know what? Oh, no. That's, that still would have been fucking great. <laughs> that would have been weird. It would have been weird, but it would have been real good. Yeah. I'm not saying I wouldn't watch it. Yeah. I'm just saying. <laughs> just that growl coming at kids like, hey, you, come down the shower, drain. Yeah. Hey, kids, we got boats down here. Is is like deep rumbling lisp, like <laughs> Harvey Weierstein may have one of the most recognizable voices on the planet. <laughs> That's true. Weird, weirdly, I think it's him and Brian Blessed fighting it out for first place, and they're both big bombastic gay men. Did you like the documentary overall? Yeah, no, I thought I thought it was real fun. 
Yeah, so did I. The first thing I thought is, well, shit, now I got to rewatch that. <laughs> That's the three hours. That's three of hours of my life, life yeah. <laughs> you know what? Though I've never sat down and done that and been like, man, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> no. It's best if you can watch it on DVD because then it's still split up into the two parts. That's the. I do. I did love the ending where they were talking about the fact that, wait, it's a big fucking spider. And I was like, right. Isn't that I think that's everybody's reaction to that book and everything that you're like, oh, it's a it's a spider. Why is it a spider? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, that ending is still better than the actual ending for the chapter two. The the children orgy. I wasn't going to bring that up. Yeah, let's let's not discuss the children. I was going to say it's a, it's a better ending than it chapter two, the more recent second part. That's it was true. horrible, <laughs> where you belittle the clown and that seems to defeat him. Oh, for fuck's sake! I did not like it chapter two, by the way. No, a lot of people didn't. Yeah, I specifically me, and that's more important. So yeah. <laughs> well, I kind of I kind of liked the idea of. Where they said, you know, fine, they fight the spider, they rip out the spider's heart or whatever, or after Bev, you know, shoots it in the deadlights, that whenever they chase it back into the hole, have it turn back into Pennywise. Yeah. And and have him laying there dying or whatever. And I was like, yeah, that is so much better of a fucking ending. Yeah. I don't know why they went with giant well, cause, spider because because they were trying to go with the book in the book and i think we can all accept that it. it's a great book with a stupid fucking ending <laughs> <laughs> well even with the book I, I think it works better as a book i don't think it works visually especially on a tv budget but then what they came up with the actual movie movie didn't do any good either so i don't fucking know no I don't know. They, they don't, there's it's like three versions of that story, the book and then two movies and none of them really have a great ending. Oh, right. Well, and I, I think they, they kind of didn't say it out loud, but they were alluding to the fact that that's kind of the way Stephen King writes that he, he creates these rich, deep characters that you get really, really invested in. But then he doesn't necessarily build a plot. <laughs> like, yeah, no, like that, he loses he loses the thread you know that's an issue like you can close your eyes and like picture the characters and you really genuinely feel like they're real people and they're living in a real space and you know you can imagine them in this like small town in maine and you can picture everything in your mind's eye and then you're like well, what are they doing and you're like oh they've been sitting around for a long time talking which is what's building the character and everything but we need to figure out a way to end this story now. And he just goes, I don't know. I was high when I wrote that. So I came up with whatever I was hallucinating. I just put that in the book, you know, <laughs> they're like, okay, you've been writing for 2000 pages of the stand. Now, how are we going to address the war between the two factions? And he's like, uh, big glowing God finger pokes the bomb. Everyone dies. <laughs> what? Wait, What? <laughs> I mean, it would work technically that's everyone would die from that so it's hard to argue <laughs> i 
Technically, yeah. Flag didn't die from it, but sure. All right. Yeah, it's, I don't know. It's it's always, I have such weird feelings because I love Stephen King so much. And yeah, almost every one of his books, the ending just shits the bed. All it's, right, well, not almost every one. There are some. Which which ones have good sensical endings? Eleven twenty two sixty three has a very good ending that made me cry when I read it. Acceptable. Uh, Dead Zone had a good ending. I can't um, even remember what the ending was in Dead Zone. Jo- Johnny Smith sacrifices himself to save the world by getting Stolson to show himself to be a jackass. Yeah. Uh, um, trying to remember what the book version of <laughs> the ending is of Christine. Oh, I can't remember. Uh, the end of Pet Cemetery. I remember being pretty much like the movie. Yeah, where he, he hears his dead wife come in, and he something like she puts his hand on his shoulder, and he turns to greet her or something, and that's the end of that story, which I thought was good. Yeah, like I think Shawshank is basically the same as the movie, right? All those so. more dramatic ones tend to play. I don't. Better. I I was getting ready to say uh, you have to immediately discount his uh is stories where he's not writing horror because those yeah. he, he writes fine. Okay. Yeah. So I was going like, to say pretty I much mean, like all, all the different all those short stories stand, stand by me and, uh, Shashank redemption, all, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. He just, he writes an ending for him. I don't, <laughs> I don't know why, <laughs> whenever it's horror, all of a sudden he gets all weird. Yeah. Well, the Stand By Me ends up, the, I'm trying to remember, it's been a long time since I read the, the book, but it ends the same way as the movie, right? With the big reveal that one of the characters was stabbed in the neck. We're just like, yeah, that guy's dead. That guy you've been following this whole story, he's dead now. <laughs> That's why we're telling this story, actually. Yeah. Hey, this this is a story about the loss of innocence. And guess what? It's gone. <laughs> it's gone now. <laughs> I just had a weird sense memory that I completely forgot that I had uh, Buddy El Goro do the Stand By Me voiceover ending for the last episode of Drunken Zombie. Ah. Uh, That's That's funny. funny. I'm going to have to go back and listen to it now. (laughs) It's funny. What else did you watch, Noah? I I think that might be it. Did oh yeah, and I forgot. And, and of course, me and my wife had to talk about Jonathan Brandis for twenty minutes because every time I see Jonathan Brandis in anything, I'm like, God damn it! Right? We didn't. Have, the question wasn't what did you and your wife discuss this week. It was what did you watch? They just, did. It was another it thing. I had to bring it up. John, him killing himself is fucking just a fucking travesty. The dude had such a career ahead of him. Uh, they just they did just put out a new uh, restoration of uh, Sidekicks, the movie right. he did with Chuck Norris, which I've still never seen. Oh, uh, I I saw that shit in the theater. I remember other kids liking it when I was younger. It, didn't we do Sidekicks on the show? 
No. No, we we did a Karate Kid. The other one with a similar plot. Isn't like Best of the Best supposed to be a similar plot to? No, no, Best of the Best is completely different. Well, we'll have to add sidekicks in here. (laughs) Maybe team it up with a random Jean-Claude Van Damme movie because I need some Jean-Claude in my life. I'm just doing Jean-Claude Van Damme month. It's fine. Unless we've already done one. (laughs) Weren't we already trying to put one together and we just just never wrote it down? I don't know. That's probably possible. Anyway, Doug, what'd you watch? Uh, let's see. I went and saw Scream Six, which I kind of as, assumed everybody would have seen. As I, I. <laughs> I didn't even know they were making another fucking Scream movie. That's how little I give a shit. All right. Well, that's good because then Brian and I can discuss it and spoil it and not worry about it, right? You, sir, yeah. you certainly can. All right. So I thought it was pretty good. I really liked it. I thought it was good. There's, there's things I I really liked about it. There's things I didn't. Um, I liked the violence in it. It's it is like people have been saying it's like the goriest scream. And I agree with that. I like that about it. Yep. I really dug the opening. What did you think of the opening? The opening kill. Um, I was confused. Yeah. I was like, all right. And they do the dating app thing, which I thought was kind of interesting. I'm like, Oh, that is a new twist on this. That's that's fun. Good. Uh, I really dug the double kill. I thought that was really fun. Yeah, some somebody gets killed, and then Noah, we see the killer take off their scream costume, put it in their backpack, and walk away. And I was like, "What? Are we gonna know who the killer is the whole time?" Like and that, the reveal is it's another member of the cast of Roseanne. Uh, no, actually, it wasn't. Damn, it's cast it was Spider Man. Yeah, it was. It was Flash from the Spider Man new Spider Man movies. And yeah. uh, I was like, so what? is is that what they did? They showed you who the killer was at the beginning? No, sort of. Is then he gets home. Yeah, he gets then home. They, then he gets fucking killed. And you're like, what? <laughs> what yeah. the hell's going on? Yeah. And then someone does the scream thing to him and then kills him. And you're like, what the hell? Yeah, it's 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 really well done, too, because like. What's her name? Samara Weaving or whatever. Yes. Yeah, it's like she's yeah. like just famous enough that when she's your opening kill, you're like, OK, she's the opening. Like, you know what I mean? Like they've been doing that. There's the famous person gets killed in the opening scene kind of thing. That's a traditional scream thing. And you're like, OK. And then when he pulls his mask off, I'm like, I think he might be more famous than her. But I'm still more concerned about the fact that we know who the killer is. And then when he gets killed, too, I'm like, oh, he's our opening kill. OK, team <laughs> sure. Like, I was I was really impressed with that part. Yeah. Um, yeah. When, they re- when they reveal everything, that whole situation makes a lot more sense, at least as much as. Yeah. Both scream plot points make sense. Yeah. So the idea, though, is that him and another guy were just like fanboys of Ghostface who. Um, imitating him, and then when the actual new ghost face shows up, he's like, "Fuck these guys!" <laughs> um, well, but, get them out of the way. But the but the actual new ghost face is just a just a ghost face. They're all ghost face imitators. That's yeah. That's what the, that's what the whole movie is. 
That's what the whole I'm series sure. is, but yes. Sure, that's one way to look at it. And there isn't even really a ghost face because originally it was two different people. <laughs> so there's there isn't right. even technically a ghost face to imitate. But the movie actually addresses that. I, I, that's another thing I really liked was that they had all the different masks from all the different previous ghost faces and they kept finding them at the crime scenes. And that was all part yeah. of the like plot of unraveling who was behind it and stuff. Yeah. I dug that. And then it at is... the end, when the actual killers are revealed and they got to pick their own like favorite former ghost face to wear the mask for the killing. Yeah, I was, uh, I was, I enjoyed how it strung together all of the previous movies. Yeah. And sort of paid homage or, you know, included them somehow in the plot. And then when the reveal comes, you're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I see, I kind of see what's going on here and I understand like why all that stuff happened. It all makes Uh, sense. I thought the reveal was a little weak. I'm like, I don't know, but well, I think the problem is that with, and we're in full spoiler territory, right? Sure. Just before I think so with all of like the talk about all of the previous ghost faces and all this for these current killers to just be a direct reaction to what happened in last year's movie. Yeah. Felt a little bit, you're like, but I thought it was going to be all tied into everything else, you know? Yeah. Like you, you showed us the TV that crushed Stu in the first movie. You showed us the knife from part four. You showed us all of these different artifacts from all of these different screen movies. And then you're like, yeah, plus, you know, but this is just revenge for the last guy. Yeah. It's, it, it Which, and, who, and who was the killer in the last one? Uh, the I guess the boys. Yeah, I guess spoiler for Scream 5. It was Jack, <laughs> Jack Quaid. And a lunatic the, girlfriend that he had. Yeah. So he was the boyfriend of one of the main sisters in the Scream 5. And then his actual like side girlfriend was working with him to be the killer. And now, and now the father, sister, and brother, there's three killers in this one. Yep. Are getting revenge on the the sister for killing him in the last movie. So it is kind of a throwback to like scream Two. Yes. Billy's mother comes back to, Get revenge on Sydney. Jackie. Exactly. Now you know what my point was when I when I posted that. I I did um I don't know, there's something about it. I liked it in Scream 2 and I like it now. The idea that the killer is just there getting revenge against the survivor girl for having the nerve to be the survivor girl. I, I like that idea. I guess I don't mind that. I guess I just don't like the links of what everybody went to to get there. Yes. Yeah, I um, agree. It, the dad was a cop and he purposefully transferred to New York City to be a cop so that he could have access to do all this bullshit. And then and the then, sister purposefully answered to Sam's anonymous roommate posting somewhere. Yeah. And then the brother was able to rig the college the dorm lottery or whatever. And I'm just like, that's all of that. It's all. Yeah, it's much. I didn't hate it, but it's a little much. Mm. And then the, the fact that like the, the one girl, the, the roommate slash daughter slash sister, whoever the redhead, the fact that she got killed. Like, first of all, I liked that character in the beginning of the movie. 
I mean, maybe I just like slutty redheads, but she was doing a good job of portraying that like fun horror movie character. Maybe that's and then she gets killed off and I'm like, oh, that was like a good kill scene and all that. And I didn't like that. That ended up being a cheat. I just. And like one of my biggest problems with the movie is I didn't love uh, Dylan. Dylan, What's his name? Dylan McMurray. What the hell is that actor's (laughs) name? Uh, Dermot Mulrooney. <laughs> that's who I'm thinking of. I couldn't. I could Dude. not place it. Is Anyways, it I didn't love his McDermott or Dermot Mulrooney. <laughs> I couldn't. I could not do it. That was my uh, Noah moment for the week. Uh, um, Doug just lived that SNL game show. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. He just he just ran face first into an SNL sketch. Uh, yeah. Yes. Anyways, I didn't love his performance because um, he kept stumbling over his words and not remembering people's names. So, yeah, that's my joke about him. But no, <laughs> I, I just I thought he was a little over the top. It, and it really started with that moment when his daughter is air quotes killed. And I'm like, OK, I see what you're doing. Like in retrospect, you're letting us in on the fact that this guy is like office rocker and that he's nuts and shit. But uh, I just I didn't love the performance is all. Yeah, I agree. Um, they do have a, well, I guess in this would be a stab museum. Yeah. But it's essentially, yeah. Uh, stuff from like all of the screen movies in one location. Yeah. Uh, they do. <laughs> they, yeah, that was fun. It was just sort of like, oh, like look in the background. There's a bunch of stuff. I recognize a bunch of outfits. I recognize you know, yeah. all this other stuff. That's a lot. Uh, I liked when uh, Hayden Panettiere's character showed up and they're like, this is the knife that stabbed you. And she's like, yeah, I know. And she's like showing her scar on her stomach. Like, I remember <laughs> getting stabbed. I know. Uh, I thought it was interesting that they did bring up the, uh, the stew sort of conspiracy theory that's been going online ever since like the first movie. Yep. That- I enjoyed that. Matthew Lillard's character never actually died. His death was faked or whatever. And honestly, there are points in this movie where I'm just like, are they fucking doing it? Like, I hope hope not. I I mean, I don't, I don't want that them to ever do that because I think that would be dumb, but I'm just for a moment. I'm like, are they fucking doing it? Or do they have the balls to be like, yeah, we're going to bring Stu back. Yeah. I, th- I thought they were when they name dropped it. That's what I thought they were going. And I'm like, I was trying to figure out in my head. Do I like this idea or don't I? And I can't figure it out. Yeah. So. Yeah. But yeah. Um, what did you think about Hayden Panettiere coming back in as like the FBI agent? You're like, does she seem like an FBI agent to you? No. It seems like they're just trying to force in that character from part four because there's no other characters from part four here. Yeah, completely. I liked her showing up again. I don't know if she had to be in the FBI. She could have. Yeah, like they could have just said like, oh, she's here to help because she's been through this before kind of thing. Or even just like she's a private detective and has been investigating all this stuff. Like, I feel like that's at least less formal. Yeah, I don't know. So it's kind of like, eh. It's just hard to picture this, like, because I've been in yeah. the same room as this girl, and she's tiny, tiny, tiny. Like, it's, yeah, you know, the idea of her like going through police training and like you know, doing yeah. one of those shootout things, like from the beginning of Point Break. I'm like, no, I just don't picture that. <laughs> but 
And I guess it could have just been Gail, like, calling, like, look, you won't talk to me, but this is Kirby. She's been through it, too. She understands what yeah. you're going through. And they could have just introduced her that way, I guess. Yeah, a couple a couple of lines of dialogue about how she carries a gun now since part four and how she, like, you could have had her play the same basic part without her being an FBI agent. Yeah, yeah. But whatever. I mean, it also didn't take me out of the movie too much or anything because I'm like, I knew she was going to be forced back in some way and that's the way they chose to do it. <laughs> and then they also tried the trick to make you believe that she was the killer. Yeah, it didn't. In my head, immediately, I'm like, nope. She's way was, too short to, to, to be one of the ghost face killers. There was a 0% chance she was the killer at any yeah. given time. Okay. Well, speaking of theories about who the killer is, you know who I don't like in this movie? Is the... Uh, the brother? No. Okay. The, um, the fucking nerd girl that has all the theories and does the, like, monologuing. Randy's niece or whatever she's supposed to be. Oh, Mindy. I, yeah. I don't like her. She's just annoying as shit. She's like, you know how like I think people who are not geeks would find the Randy character annoying, but those of us who are geeks are all just like, yeah, listen to this guy. He knows everything. That's how I feel about her. I'm like, she's just a fucking annoying little know-it-all. I wish she'd shut up the whole time. And I don't know, maybe the way she speaks appeals to a different generation that I'm in or something, but I just like, I never wanted to slap a little girl so bad in my life as I wanted to hit that little chick. She's just annoying. (laughs) I did find it interesting that they updated the movie rules to include rules for a franchise now, since that is yeah. kind of the modern age we're living in. And they, they they did do a clever little thing, which is another thing I didn't like about the movie, but it was a fun little piece of foreshadowing where she's like, all of the legacy characters are now cannon fodder. You could all die. Any one of you, I could die next. And also the other thing is you have to... Whatever you don't expect, that's exactly what's going to happen. And then when all the legacy characters live, I'm like, oh, they told us that was going to happen <laughs> by saying that they were all going to die and then saying not to expect what we're telling you to expect. <laughs> but I was I was a little annoyed that I think it's some more people dead. Like you wanted brother. more, you wanted more people to die. Yeah, a lot, I wanted a lot more people to die. I think this had oh. the highest body count of any screen movie. You still wanted more? Yes. What do you, how long have you known me? Of course I wanted more people to die. But like the brother character that was starting to have his uh, like, his what? like he was starting to develop a relationship with Wednesday yeah. Adams there. I'm like, yeah, no, he should be dead. Right. Yeah, he's, he's the Dewey now. Uh, uh, he's the one who you have to think has been killed and then shows up at the end like, nope, he's okay. Okay. Well, I don't want him to be, I want him to be dead. <laughs> I wanted Gail to die. I thought this was a good opportunity to finally cut ties with that original trilogy uh, completely. Yeah, I I honestly uh, thought she was done for. Yeah, and they they do a thing where it's like she's they clearly wrote the script in a way where she could be dead or she could not be dead, and then they just we're just going to ADR in this line to let you know at the end so that it's like oh she's recovering fine in hospital and you're like oh okay so the contract negotiations are going well are they okay good um yeah i I just wanted i wanted some more people to die from the original thing from any of the previous movies i I think that in horror movies it's more fun if you're revamping that cast every time did you uh catch the murder party easter egg uh, not until I read your article about it. Yeah, yeah. 
as soon as I, I, noticed, I like, the thing is, I was staring at the costume, going like, "That's a weird costume to put in this movie." And I was just sitting there looking at it. I'm like, "Why is he wearing that?" And then I'm sitting there, and then the light bulb went off. I'm like, "Oh fuck, that's a murder party Easter egg!" And I'm the only person in this theater that will even know what that means. Yeah. You watched well, okay. Murder Party, didn't you, Noah? Yeah. We did on the show. Do you remember enjoying it? Yeah. Uh, you know, the cardboard knight outfit the main character wears? Yeah. Yeah, one of the characters wears it to like a Halloween party. That's awesome. It's it's like a really specific Easter egg. And it's right. Like, yeah, I'm like, it makes me think that I probably missed some other stuff when I realized that I had I'd missed that, you know? Um. That was another whole thing I didn't like, though. That whole beginning scene where they go to the party and the sister comes in and tases the guy in the nuts because he's trying to sleep with Jenna Ortega's character. And I'm like, I don't. It was poorly executed where I'm like, she's been drinking and she's going to go upstairs with this guy and everybody's telling her not to. And she's like, I'm fine. I can go. And the way it was executed, I was like, I have no idea if they're saving their friend who's intoxicated and shouldn't be going up these stairs or if they're being overbearing and just not letting this girl do what she wants to do. She's an adult. She should be allowed to do whatever she wants. And I don't know which one of those I'm supposed to be taking away from this. And there's like a whole discussion you could have about like how many drinks can a girl have before you're not allowed to try to something with her. And she's not able to make a decision and consent properly. And it's like, we don't need that discussion in the middle of a scream movie. That's not what these <laughs> movies are for. You know what I mean? Like that's, yeah. They could have made the dude more rapey. Yeah, either make him way more rapey or way less rapey. One or the other. Because no. no. then they turn around and have her almost hook up the other character later on. And she says that weird line of dialogue about, oh, I was all fucked up 15 minutes ago, but now I'm sober, so it's okay. <laughs> and you're like, no, that's not how that works at all. Like, So this guy who we're supposed to think of as the new Dewey, apparently, is like saving her from going upstairs with this guy because she's too drunk to touch. But then 20 minutes later, back at her place, sitting on the bed with her, it's like, what are you even doing in her loner room with her if you think she's too drunk to be going upstairs with that other guy? This isn't cool. It was just annoying a bit to me. There's a lot of little things like that that I just didn't didn't like, and I feel like it's... You kind of have to hand wave them and be like, well, it's a screen movie. Yeah, you do have to hand wave them, and I don't, I'm not great at doing that. So, but overall, like, again, like the kills were good. I liked, I liked the, uh, the stupid joke, which is like where she's like, she keeps telling her, you have to let go of me. You have to let go of me because her sister's being overprotective. And at the end, she's like hanging off that balcony and she's like, you have to let go of me. And her sister literally drops her and she lands on top of one of the ghost faces. <laughs> <laughs> like, that was fun. Uh, yeah. Yeah, there was some good stuff. I really enjoyed I it. And apparently made a shit ton of money. So, apparently, so. there's a scream, how they're going to turn that M seven. into a seven for next time. But <laughs> right, how do you work that into the main title? Figure it out. They already still don't get a. Uh, get they they didn't turn Scream Five logo into it properly because they just called it Scream. Yeah. Whereas the E should have been a five or something. Title scream again. Who knows? They'll call it scream again, and then I'll have a very clever line of dialogue about how when movies get to the seventh episode, you have to start reusing titles or something. <laughs> it's 
I don't know. Sure. Why not? Any other cool, funny favorite moments though? Because I feel like it's it had a bunch of great moments. I I really liked the the ladder scene where they're crawling across the ladder from one building to the next, and Ghostface just starts shaking the ladder, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm just like sitting there with eager anticipation for that girl to fall to her death. When she finally does, I'm like, good job, Ghostface. And holy shit, the special effects in this movie. Yeah. Like, Jesus Christ, no! Are you playing Jenga over there? He's just mad that we're talking about a movie he hasn't seen. And one of the cats is being a little shit. All right. Uh, I mean, that girl falls off the ladder and hits her head on the the uh, dumpster, which is bad enough. Yeah. And then they just, oh, here's a close-up of her face. Yep, the side of her face is all dented in, gross looking. Yeah. I'm like, holy shit. Yeah, it was cool looking. So that stuff was great. Yeah, the shaking the ladder is great. We got to see uh, fucking Ghostface use a shotgun, which was weird. I know. In like, I I thought that was a really fun like New York thing where they're like, okay, now we're gonna have him chasing around one of those little tiny grocery stores that are always in New York movies that I assume really exist, where it's like they're all just hiding they're hiding behind all the shelves and stuff. It's it's really a non-scream thing, but it was a nice way to kind of reintroduce scream into what happens when you put scream in New York. We're going to hit these iconic New York places. We're going to be on the subway. We're going to be in one of these little shops, you know? Yeah. Uh, although one of my friends who actually lives in Manhattan posted on Facebook, he's like, they got on the one train to go blah, blah, blah. He's like, these people deserve to die. They obviously didn't know where the fuck they were going. Basically, just right. pointing out how how the way they were trying to travel to this warehouse would have been uh, extremely long and not have taken them where they wanted to go at all. Okay, like all right, no, I'm sure that's true. <laughs> that's one of the that's one of the things that's probably frustrating when you uh, when you live in New York because shit like that happens, right? Or they're supposed to be on a certain street, and you can clearly tell it's like not New York where they shot kind of thing. Stuff like that must get frustrating. That's like the opposite version of like living in Canada and everything shot here, but nobody wants to admit that it was shot here. So they're just like lying to you and you're like, I've been on that street. That street's not in Harlem. That's downtown Toronto. Um, let's see. I feel like the ghost, some of the ghost face scenes are really good. And I'm trying to think, the ghost face scene at Gail's apartment, I thought was pretty good. Yeah, I like um, that. Just because she's like, oh, fuck no. And so they actually like tussle back and forth a lot. Yep. I liked her uh, just pulling the gun and just shooting through the door. You're like, yes, yeah. do that. That's what you should do at this point. <laughs> You've been through this enough times. And he's like, oh, you missed. I'm halfway down the stairs. She's like, oh, yeah. Then she just keeps firing into the door. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I do like that uh, he killed Gail's new boyfriend and she didn't seem to give a shit whatsoever. Well, she did not care about that guy. <laughs> well, he He's like, oh, that guy's big muscles didn't save him. And she went, yep, sure didn't. And then she just continued on with, I'm going to fucking shoot you if I see you. I feel like what they were doing there was making it... Uh... They were making it like 
she's now smart enough to not get rattled by the things he's saying. But it came across as I just don't give a shit about my boyfriend. Like that's just my boy toy. I'm Gail Weathers. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Overall, oh. I'm pretty positive on it. I'm looking forward to the next one. Yeah, agreed. They they sort of dropped the ball. I thought with like the whole like uh, her her dad's a ghost in her head thing. Like they were teasing like maybe she would be a killer, and it's like they kind of brought it back. I think because it was popular in the last movie. Yeah. But then they didn't do anything with it in this movie. Yeah. Well, she said she was she was on meds to keep yeah. from having the hallucinations, which I guess is fine. A line of dialogue like that was enough. Almost maybe don't have the actor back in to be doing the, the voiceovers and stuff. Because at the end, when she's like hearing her dad's voice and she's got his mask in her hand, and then she just drops it and walks away. And I'm like, have her hang on to the mask. And then that gives us some intrigue into what could happen in the future, you know? But instead, they needed their excessively happy ending. Again if three more of those people had been dead and she'd taken the mask home with her, we'd have had a much more uh, satisfying ending by my take. Yeah. I can't disagree with that. Um, what else did you watch? Well, let's see the next day I went back to the theater to see Creed three. Jenny, I want to see, I haven't seen yet. Yeah. Do I, do I need to watch part two at all? Um, no, Plain and simple, no. I mean, I I use I watched one and two as like background noise leading up to going to see this one, and you could almost go into this one blind. You probably prefer not to, but yeah. it's a. Uh, I mean, the the basic plot is, you know, the Adonis Creed is, it opens up with him like winning his final match, and he just retires from boxing. Moves Jesus on to Christ. like his new life of just being like a dad, basically. And then, I mean, if you've seen the trailers, this guy shows yeah, up yeah. and they have a history, and the other guy got sent to jail because of something that happened involving the two of them and their youth, and now he's out and he wants his shot at the title. Um, is it, is it, yeah, yeah. is whatever they got in trouble for, is it the thing when she came and bailed him out when he was younger? Um, no. Because that's what I was wondering. I'm like, that would be a great like tie into the first movie. That actually would be interesting. But the incident in, in question is that he, it was after that, he was a bit older. Oh. Um, okay, well that's so, not as good. I agree. It would have been interesting if she bailed him out, and if like that direct, um, that direct like being being of like rich guy descent was directly the reason why he didn't go to jail and the other guy just d didn't have anyone to bail him out kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I that'd feel like that'd be a great plot point. Yep. But they don't do that. Um, yeah, anyways, but it, the film gets into a lot of like, I, mean, I feel like I've been saying this about good movies a lot lately. It's a little more complex than you would think. So like, uh, I'll spoil this much for you. The movie ends with the two main characters having a boxing match. What? Um, <laughs> as shocking as it's going to be, right? Yeah. But it's not. It's not as simple as, you know. Oh, I need to beat this guy in a boxing match because he was, you know, he's the bad guy and I'm the good guy. It's like there's this 
guilt that Adonis Creed has about the fact that this other guy went away and he's trying to work through that. But there's also the fact that this other guy sort of became the champion in a less than honorable way. And Adonis sees it as his job to kind of restore the championship to, to a more honorable place. But there's also the fact that we, the whole movie has been about Adonis Creed trying to adjust to life after boxing and maybe not being willing to acknowledge that he's still got like in Rocky six, Rocky always talked about having the stuff in the basement and he doesn't want to admit he has that problem. He keeps telling everyone he's fine with moving on, but maybe he really isn't. And maybe he's really not done yet. And this last, like having one big last fight, is his way of being able to actually move on. And so we see in the movie, he's like trying to adjust to life with his daughter and life at just being at home and his, the Tessa Thompson character, which is his wife. I don't know how well you remember the first creed. That's what I yeah. Um yeah. But yeah, like he's, she has been forced because of her hearing problems to no longer perform. So she's going through similar issues and maybe dealing with it better, you know, and they both, it's, it's really interesting how they do it because she's moved into like producing music and writing music for other artists because she can't really perform anymore because she's trying to protect her hearing and he's moved into working at the gym and like he's taken on a partnership role at the gym to try to like work on work with other boxers and stuff but she's she seems to be doing better at it than him and he's it's almost like he's just not ready to move on yet if that makes sense. And this yeah. is his way of doing it. So the idea, though, that like this final fight. It's pretty predictable how it's going to play out. I mean, I, if you've seen the trailers, you know, the plot of the movie. Um, but it's done in a, it's done in an interesting way where you actually care what's going on. And you actually care about the characters. And the performance from Jonathan Majors is good where he's like. There's something about him when he comes in, he's playing a very kind of semi likable guy, but you can sort of see through it into like his villainous underside. And then as soon as he gets what he wants, you start to really see that villain character shine through and he does a really good job with it. I think kind of a complex character to play. He does a lay, lays it on pretty thick. I like it quite good. Are you eating so. Noah? No. This sounds like you chomping on something i'm i'm literally just sitting still <laughs> do you have a mute button that you could push when you're not interested <laughs> in what we're talking about uh, it is suddenly quieter i i just i got nothing on it guys <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, overall, I would say if you're interested in Creed three, yeah. you'll end up liking it. If you're, yeah. I mean, if you're not interested in a boxing movie, don't go see a boxing movie. Right. But if you like, it's fascinating to me that part nine of the Rocky series is this good when we're at yeah. part nine of of a movie about boxing. Yeah. And, uh, I listened to Fatman Fatman Beyond today, so I listened to Kevin Smith basically talk about this movie. Yeah, and he usually never gives a shit about spoiling anything, so he just talked about the whole thing. And yeah, and again, it's it's one of those movies where I'm like, well, I know where this is going, so I'm not surprised. Yeah, it's more about execution yeah. than about the plot. Like it's, and I really, I was surprised that they only had one fight between the two main characters. I almost anticipated them doing, you know, beat them once, then then 
he has to come back. But then I remembered that's what part two is about. So, so yeah, I, um, I still haven't seen part two. Uh, I was interested in the first one. Watch that really wasn't interested in the second one. But then the third one, I was like, Oh no, this seems really interesting. Like friend, the friend coming back and him feeling like, well, everything you have should be mine. And them sort of like, you know, having to deal with that. Like, um, yeah, I feel like that was a month, something that really intrigued me to see how, what they would do with it. So I'm definitely interested in yeah. checking it out. So well, going to it's, it it's interesting to watch the series too, because the first Creed is like a reboot of the Rocky series and it very much mimics the first Rocky movie with like the underdog being given a chance and stuff. Right. The second Creed, he's fighting the son of the villain from Rocky four, but the plot is really the plot from Rocky three. And then the, um, the third film is in some ways it's the plot of part four to a lesser extent, but it is, it's not as much of a, a mimicking of it as some of the other ones have been, but it is a similar plot. And I, I joked when they tried to recut Rocky four into a dramatic film and I watched it just to see what that would be like. But this is them doing a good job of making it into a real dramatic film. And I, I'm impressed with how they pulled that off. Yeah. It's interesting to see what they'll do next because they very much play it off as though this is his final fight ever. And whether they'll like Michael B. Jordan obviously isn't ready to play the old man yet in a movie. So I don't know what they'll do if there's a four coming or. Yeah. Like. I jokingly was like, what if he just loses and the next one is just the other guy just takes over the series and they just do that every few movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I'm getting to a point where anything Jonathan Majors is in, I'll probably check out. Yeah. He's always a great actor and everything he shows up in. See, like, I don't know, in Ant-Man and shit, I was not blown away by him. But in this movie, I think I see what everyone's talking about more. I see the acting that everybody else has been so impressed by in his other work that where I haven't been blown away. I've never had any complaints about him. I've just never been blown away. Do you want to know my funny, th- my funny take on Jonathan majors? Sure. Is it like, so when I watched Ant-Man, I'm like, his nose kind of looks like it's being squished by the screen <laughs> of his mask. Sure. In it. And then when I saw the poster for Creed three, I'm like, his nose kind of looks like he's like an old timey boxer. And you know how sometimes when they get, their nose broken a bunch of times they have to like remove some of the bone from it mm-hmm. because it's just they can't heal properly anymore and then i realized i'm like oh i'm just making fun of this guy's nose every time i see him <laughs> in a movie <laughs> like it's just what his nose looks like i don't know why i'm adding that like these weird plot points to his nose but son of a bitch He's fucking huge in this movie, though. I'm like, yeah, if you've been this big in Ant-Man, there's no way Paul Rudd stands a chance. He's like <laughs> towering over Michael B. Jordan. And I'm like, how? Like, how are you that much bigger and in better shape than him? It's funny. Uh, I heard them. I saw it and I heard them talking about, about it on the Kevin Smith show. But apparently Paul Rudd was on the Tonight Show. And they were talking about, like, I don't know if you... Go up against Jonathan Majors. You think you're going to win? And Paul Rudd pulled out like, well, let me show you these covers of these men's health magazines. 
And the Jonathan Majors one, he's like completely ripped and just like <laughs> muscular, like you would not believe. And then they show Paul Rudd's where he's just wearing a t-shirt and jeans. <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> In suspension of disbelief is what it is. If you're going to watch yeah. a superhero movie, I guess, but. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I'll have to check that one out. Yeah, but I'd let me curious because I've always been huge into the Rocky movies and still am like a huge fan of most of them. Um, so I'd be curious what you think of it as maybe different perspective. Somebody who didn't even see part two. Yeah, I mean, I have access to part two. I, I will. I should probably maybe I should just watch it and then just go. But I don't know. Ken, it's I mean, I there's do. also like I'm lazy and I'm like, oh, can I just skip that one and go? <laughs> what I was part two was pretty good. Yeah, part two is good, and it's so Rocky's not in Creed three, right? And part two really does, I think, a fantastic job of sending Rocky off, like at the end, yeah. and just like he's in a good spot. And it, I, I really enjoyed the ending of part two. There's this weird juxtaposition where Rocky is meeting his grandkid for the first time. And they're cutting back and forth to, I guess we're in spoilers for part two as well. Not, but like where <laughs> Michael B. Jordan has taken his baby to Apollo Creed's grave to introduce Apollo Creed to his grandkid kid for the first time. And you're seeing like, okay, so like Apollo obviously can't have a happy ending at this point, but Rocky's the one that's getting that. He can go off and be with his son and his family now. And he's finally leaving boxing behind. So it makes complete sense for him to not be in this movie. But it was something that made me nervous about the movie. I'm like, how do you do this? How do you do Rocky Nine without Rocky? Like, but they yeah. pulled it off. And he's it's he's really not missed. Interesting. Maybe they should just pull a screen theory and just be like, oh well, Apollo never died. It was he faked his death. Apollo faked his death. Yeah, then he could just <laughs> come show really up again. Of, he's sick of Bill Cosby's wife, and he's just needed to <laughs> find a way to get out of that marriage, so he faked his own death. <laughs> shows back up now because he found finds out he has a kid who's a famous boxer. He's like, man, yeah. if I'd known that. Everything I would everything I ever would have dreamed about. <laughs> I don't feel that that's the direction the series should go, no. but you never know. Well, it's like I say, I don't I don't know where they're going to go with part four. I don't know. I don't know if they're going to try to make one, but I suspect they will. Well, and, fr from what I've heard, they're making a Creed verse now. So apparently Drago's kid has a movie that they're trying to push forward. Yeah. Well, Drago's kid is the villain in part two. Yeah. 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 And then, but so I know when they first announced that Sylvester Stallone went fucking nuts on social media of course. about like basically how fucking dare they take his characters and spin them off without even consulting him. And how could Dolph Lundgren do this? And Dolph Lundgren came out and was like, whoa, I never agreed to anything and I didn't know this was going to be Sylvester Stallone off. So maybe I'm out. And then I haven't heard anything about it since then. So maybe that's canceled because maybe without the original Drago in the film, they don't have any enough there to go with. Uh, and then I heard there's like an animated Creed show or something. What? Is it, wait, is it 1984 right now? What is uh, happening? Think, We're just going to take so. an, an adult film series and just make a cartoon out of it? Well, apparently 
Michael B. Jordan's really into anime stuff. Okay. So I don't know. Cat, you gotta move. You gotta move, Cat. I don't know how interested I am in a Creed animated series, but see what happens. Creedverse. Michael B. Jordan said to be said to be at the forefront of expanding the Creed franchise through film and TV projects. Goddamn ads. Fuck off. Okay. The own website that I write for. Um, let's see. Da, da, da. Awesome. He does have some, a couple of scenes of him teaching his little girl how to throw punches in it. So. Oh, the idea of building yes. a project around Adonis Creed's daughter, Amara, yep. also being discussed. And the anime project sounds likely as Jordan is out of his out and proud anime fan. Uh, sounds dumb as fuck. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not for that. July rumors began swirling about a Drago spinoff. The, the state of the project remains uncertain. The, now, the Drago spinoff, I'm actually interested in. Yeah. Well, yeah, because his storyline in part two is actually pretty good where Drago is trying to restore his own honor in the eyes of like the mother country and, in and through, through his son. <laughs> in, yeah. She's representative of that. And it ends with like him throwing in the towel so that his son won't get seriously injured and basically telling his son, it's okay. Like we don't need to appease those people. You've done nothing wrong by losing this boxing match. Like if your mother doesn't love you because you lost a boxing match, that's her fucking problem. Well, and it's, it's interesting that the whole, the whole theme of the entire movie has been the fact that Rocky fucked up by not throwing in the towel against Adonis's wishes. And it gets to the end of the movie and Michael B. Jordan's character refuses to stop. And he lets it keep going again. And then Drago's the one who actually does the right thing and ends the match. Yeah. Which is interesting because, you know, Creed wins and everybody's takeaway is that Creed won. And that's like, no, the take the takeaways that the bad guy actually did the right thing. Yeah. The take the takeaway is, yeah. I mean, obviously Creed wins, gets his revenge for what happened in the first fight, but also, Drago has learned his lesson and is putting his son's health and well-being ahead of glory and honor or whatever you want to say. And, you know, he's actually. Yeah, yeah, he's 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 learned his lesson, which he hadn't learned in the 40 years between movies or whatever it was. Uh, it looks like the other thing they're talking about is like a. Which I, is probably not a good idea, but of uh, doing like a prequel to Rocky, um, of Rocky Balboa. I think someone mentioned maybe it's about because he used to be a bouncer or something for yeah, like some like, like a bill collector at the beginning of Rocky. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Low level mob guy. Yeah, yeah. So maybe exploring that more or something. Um, I don't support that. No, probably not. Yeah. So yeah, this is good. Like three or four projects. It looks like they're working on. None of them are actually Creed Four, I guess. But there is a whole like Creed is the partner in the gym throughout this movie. Like, there's no reason why you couldn't do another movie about a. St- you could 
come up with another interesting story about a boxer and that boxer just trains at the gym and that's how you tie it all in right yeah there's no there's no reason why that couldn't happen maybe clubber lang's kid has finally come of age to start fighting <laughs> or something or thunder lips's child either there's your spinoff thunder lips's kid you get nick hogan in the ring oh no you don't need any more of the Hogan children becoming famous again. Anyways, is that enough about Retreat <laughs> 3? Are we done? Sure. What else did you watch? Um, what did I watch? Oh, I watched a movie today called Even Lambs Have Teeth, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, I could go through a whole detailed plot point, but it's it's rape revenge. Um, but with two girls. That get that get raped in revenge. Um, it's not very good because it's one of these ones where it's like these movies only work if you're going to go hardcore balls to the wall, and they don't. And so then you're like, do people watch rape revenge movies for the plot? Like, do you want to watch a PG-13 version of I Spit on Your Grave? I don't think you do, right? Like, it's oh, so it it's not terrible it has some good moments in it but it's just in my opinion isn't they didn't have the guts to make a movie that you need to make if you're going to go into this subgenre that's my personal takeaway on it um there are like a few like there's a couple of really fun moments like where they walk up to a, a hardware store after they've escaped from this like where they've been held and like forced into sex slavery and then they like but they're all like still bloody and stuff from the fight where they got out and they walk into a hardware store and buy all the stuff they're going to use to kill people. And they walk up to the counter and the guy is just like, what the fuck is going on? Like, and it's a pretty fun little moment. There's a couple other fun moments like that, you know, Nice. Uh, but it's not enough in my opinion that you would, if you're going to want to watch this type of movie, there's just a lot better out there mm-hmm. again, unless you're into the, PG-13-ness of it, I guess that's fine. But, yeah, I don't know. It's also a, it's clearly a Canadian movie, but they don't want you to know that. So they claim they're in the U.S., and they even went as far as to change the license plates on the cars to, like, Washington State. But they um, forgot to update their script. So, like, one of the characters is leaving, and she goes to Cuba on vacation. And I'm like, yep, you guys messed that up. Like Americans don't go to Cuba. Don't just fly off to an all-inclusive in Cuba for a week. That's not what you people do. We do it all the time. And then I'm like, I bet you this movie's Canadian. And sure enough, when they go into a convenience store, I'm like, there's that small town convenience store, and I recognize that Canada Post booth in the background because that's how they do it. Okay, good job, guys. Nice cover. Well, we were uh, we were opening our borders back up to Cuba. I'll give you one guess of who shut all that shit down after he yeah, got elected president. I know, I know. I know. Well, to be fair, this movie might have come out in 2015. That doesn't matter. I still, I still don't think you guys were on the on the like average person could just pick up and fly to Cuba. Like, yeah, I don't think we got that far. The way you go to Mexico or the Dominican Republic or anywhere else in the that's south and warm and has beaches. We've been doing that forever, so. Yeah, I know. Canadians love going to Cuba. You want to know why? No American. Why? Makes it so much nicer. (laughs) 
Yeah, you know what? Fair enough. I don't blame you. It's not. A, I mean, it's it's funny to say it, but it's not even really a joke. It is what we like about going there. <laughs> Anyways, I I don't I don't have much else to say about that movie because, like I say, it's. I mean, like we can get into the details of the plot. There are some fun kills, but again, they just they hold back a little too much on the violence, and you're like, if the whole point we're here is to watch the kill, then don't hold back on the violence at all. Like, can't do that. If that's all the movie has, then do it all. Do it. Do it fully. So, yeah. You got uh, you got some more stuff, Brian? What'd you watch? Uh, I watched a couple more things. Uh, movie I'd never seen before, uh, which is surprising, was uh, the Nicolas Cage movie Valley Girl. Just one of those okay. movies that escaped my viewing back in the. 80s 90s um really enjoyed it <laughs> thought nicholas cage was really good did think it was funny that he's supposed to be like a punk in that movie <laughs> there, there's not a single punk song in the entire movie it's all new wave stuff yeah well um that was kind of funny but you know it's i mean it's a fun 80s movie there's a blonde, uh, rich asshole in it who somehow is not played by Billy Zabka. And uh, Nicolas Cage kind of has to deal with him because he's in love with his girlfriend. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's got a great soundtrack. <clears throat> great 80s movie. Um, does sort of perpetuate the, the 80s thing that is not aged very well of, hey, if a girl dumps you and says she doesn't want to see you again, that means you should just show up everywhere she is and uh stalk her and uh let her know constantly that you're still in love with her yeah that's that's what you do and then it all works out in the end yeah it's totally fine um but yeah other other than that questionable thing i love this movie and it's one of those like man if i would have saw this when i was like 13 this would have been like one of my favorite movies 80s movies probably that's exactly what i felt about it when i saw it i'm like yeah. i've only seen it once and it was as an adult and i was like yeah, yeah. it's all right but i think i probably would have loved it if i'd seen it in the 80s like yeah. when it was more age appropriate yeah there's a lot of stuff to like about it but i'm just aged out of a lot of it so it's just sort of like you just have to go backwards in your mind and be like oh when i was 13 if i saw this yeah it would be it would have yep. been one of my favorite movies uh, and then uh, on Netflix, Luther, the Fallen Son, showed up. So this is a movie continuation of the Luther series, Idris Elba, from the BBC. Um, they'd done like he had come back and done a season five after he became like a big movie star. Yeah, and I think his schedule was getting so busy that he's like. I don't know if I'm going to be able to to cut this much time out of my schedule again to do another series. So he was hoping they could start doing like sort of one-off movies of, of the series to keep it going. And it looks like uh, that's what they're doing. There's Noah yawns into the microphone. Sorry. Uh, um, so I don't know. I really liked the Luther series. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, as much fun as a, uh, serial killers can be, I guess. 
but um, Andy Serkis plays the villain in this. So it's Idris Elba trying to figure out who killed somebody and like, oh, it's Andy Serkis. We knew it the whole time. Yeah, I mean, it's Andy Serkis. And he has that they went with a and he has a Donald Trump haircut in it, too, which is kind of funny. Well, he didn't actually have to get it because it was probably just stop motion. So it's true. He just had a bunch of tennis balls on his head while they were filming. And then... <laughs> yeah, we'll add it in later. It'll be all right. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. I uh, I really enjoyed uh, really enjoyed it. I hope they end up doing more. Apparently, Netflix like co co paid for it, co produced it. So okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. If you like the Luther series, it's definitely in line with all that stuff. So, worth a watch. Uh, yeah, I've never seen any of it, so I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm just yeah, yeah. vaguely aware that there's a thing called that, but yeah, yeah, it's worth it's worth a watch if you really like like. Uh, I mean, it's a procedural show, but guess what? Luther, he's a detective, doesn't follow the rules. Why would he? Of course. That's not going to help you solve crime. But it turns out by not following the rules, he gets the job done. So, yeah, it's definitely one of those. But with Idris Elba, so it's enjoyable. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Uh, For next week, since I've been uh, doing some Nicolas Cage movies, we do a movie with has Nicolas Cage in it. It's directed by uh, Francis Ford Coppola called uh, Rumblefish. Didn't we already do nepotism? <laughs> I guess I guess this could be nepotism week part two a little bit. Nicholas Cage isn't in both movies. Both movies aren't nepotism. That helps. Okay. Uh, so we're going to be doing The Outsiders and Rumblefish. All right. Both directed by Francis Ford Coppola. Both like gangy type movies, aren't they? Yeah. So I think uh did you put these on the list? Sure. <laughs> sure, why not? The list has been around a long time now. Okay, I don't remember everything I put on there or didn't put on yeah. there. But this is in the new section, so oh. recent. Well, some of that stuff's not that new anymore at this point. <laughs> That's also true. <laughs> um so yeah, we're gonna be doing that next week. Right. Apparently, Nicholas Cage has a small role in Rumblefish, so it'll be interesting to see uh, see what he is up to in this movie. I've never seen Rumblefish, so I don't believe I've ever seen it either. I don't even really know what it's about. I don't believe I've ever heard the name of that movie in my entire life. Definitely, I, I've heard of it. But. Um, Matthew Matthew Dillon's the lead character. So hopefully it's good. Did you do anything fun this weekend, Noah? Now that you've moved into your house? No, just in the process of unpacking. Not unpacked yet? Come on. Get on it. Got a lot of shit, man. Your wife's not working, though. She should be unpacking while you're at work. Yeah, I'm not going to say that to her. <laughs> no, go tell her. I want you to take the microphone with you. I want you to go wake her up. 
be like, hey, guys told me you should be packing while I'm at work. Unpacking while I'm at work. No. Just, just let it play out. Let's see what happens. No, no you no. can't use that because then she, she's blaming it on us. Uh, who cares? She's, not, she's never going to meet you, Doug. That's a good point. <laughs> but I want Noah to be in as much trouble as possible. So oh, I don't want that. Well, fine. Are you going to see Shazam this weekend? You know it. Yeah. Going on Thursday. Got to get my Easter egg articles done. The problem is I got I got shit going on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, so I'm going to have to go to an early show on Sunday. I ain't got jack shit going on. I didn't even leave my house last weekend. Probably won't this weekend either. Make sure I better I'll be with a six-year-old who's at the tail end of his week off next weekend, oh. so... It's like a week, a week off of school. Kids are, I, I'm assuming bad behavior by that point. Today was yeah. pretty hellacious with just constant fighting with the other neighborhood children. <laughs> Dad, I hit somebody with a stick again. It's the amount of drama that a group of five and six year olds can induce is fascinating. So it's just long enough for him to be off to start doing the bad behavior but then not wanting to go back to sleep to go back to school the next day but at, at that point yes i am like, lucky enough that i will be dropping off at his mom's on sunday evening oh, next week nice nice congratulations mom you get to get your kid up first thing on uh, <laughs> monday after march break so beautiful hopefully that was planned you're like oh i was looking ahead on the calendar i'm gonna be gone that week it's, it's not planned, but oh. fortunately, it's just a set schedule rotates through. So fair enough, I guess. Does give me an excuse to take this whole week off work because if I've got to be home with him on three of the five days, it's, it starts to feel kind of dishonest to go in on those other two. It's like I don't know. We all know I'm not doing anything, so I'm only working two days in a week. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Well, let's let Noah go to bed. All right. All right, Noah. Yay. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say good night. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Good night.